Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Here's your host, Randy Tobler. It's 7.08 and glad it's warming up as things warm up around the country and uh, including in the legal world. I mean, boy, nationally, statewide, locally. I'm Randy Tobler along with Stephanie Bell. Good morning. Producer Hannah Hello. And John Marsh, staying warm there. How you doing, buddy? Here, sir. Doing good. Ken Belkin joins us now, an attorney uh, and a Fox legal expert about a case that I either I had lost track of or never knew of in the first place. But, man, Ken, uh, welcome to the program. Are you there, Ken? What happened to Ken? I'm right here. Hey, there you are. Uh, so uh, we were talking earlier about this cold case that a YouTuber solved. More and more, we're having like citizen journalism on the one hand and now citizen investigation on the other. Yeah, I mean, really, this is a great day for my daughter because this makes the case for me allowing her to be a YouTuber all the more stronger. And I've really been pushing back against it. But, I mean, they're doing good work out there. And they did good work for, for Donald Irwin from your home state. Yeah, so- he stepped out. Go ahead. December 29th, 10 years ago, stepped out for a pack of cigarettes and was never heard from again. And then... He was never, he vanished just a little bit after Christmas, 2013, in Camdenton, down near the lake, and um, and was last seen in a Hyundai Elantra, it's reported, and then what happened? How did the, first of all, how did the YouTuber follow it, and is this is this like a first for this dude, or is it something that's been, you know... He's, I, th- I think it's the first criminal case he's solved, but James Hingle, he flies drones, he runs a YouTube channel uh, that, that does sort of echo radar stuff, finding stuff buried in water and, and below the ground using drones, which is very, you know, it's a smart little hobby to have. I don't have any hobbies quite that intelligent, <laughs> but he basically, he became obsessed with this case. And as you said, Mr. Irwin had this 2002 Hyundai Elantra that went missing with him and he discovered it in the lake and a few days later they discovered some human remains that they believe are Mr. Irwin's. And what's I mean, inter- it's an incredible story. What's interesting is it, I mean, first of all, the technology is fascinating. I didn't know that there was that much precision to a drone flying over a body of water and what it can detect. I mean, how can you tell the difference from a uh, an otter or a big bass or someone's artificial hip, which what came to light in this case? Well, look, J- James Hinkle was not just your amateur drone enthusiast. I mean, this guy was clearly obsessed with this hobby, obsessed with this case, and he probably spared no expense when it came to his equipment because he really, I mean, it's a remarkable feat that he accomplished that law enforcement could not accomplish. One man with a drone and a YouTube channel. What's cool, though, too, is, I mean, if you think about it from the human interest part of this story, that man's family, Mr. Irwin, was a Navy veteran, mm-hmm. and like you say, vanished a decade ago. The family, like, whatever happened? You know, what a what an emptiness, what a vacancy in your, in your mind for all of that time. So to bring some closure to it had to be good. Now, the question is, can they ever in any way solve the crime as far as the who done it or is that just a lost cause 
Well, look, obviously, as a criminal defense attorney, I could tell you, it doesn't get better with time. The body is decomposed. There's all sorts of decay in the car. Apparently, a 2002 Hyundai Elantra does not hold up well 10 years underwater. Who would have thought? But every they couldn't even determine the color of the car at that point. So it really, it's going to be tough. I think they're speculating that it was suicide. Yeah. But look, at least, as you said, the family gets some closure here yeah and there is speculation they can uh, have a funeral well you know? that's that's just that's exactly right um and i i appreciate you you're doing a great job of kind of explaining this it is a terrible case you know the, there was speculation it was suicide it's, it's it's really the southern part of our listening area but i remember the case very closely what struck me though if it was suicide and who knows we'll we'll find out um, the the reports at the time indicated that he didn't take his wallet, he didn't take his wheelchair, or he didn't take his glasses. So that that I found odd. Did you find that odd? Yeah, I think that that's indicative of that he wasn't planning on coming back or going anywhere where he was going to need those things. You know, it's very sad. It's sad that this happens to our military veterans. Mm. They, they see horrible things uh, during the course of their service to this nation. I also would point out that Hinkle, um, you know, searched caves. He searched quarries, Haha Tonka State Park, which is the state park mm-hmm. not far from Old Kinderhook. I mean, that is a very rugged area. If people have any idea where that is, um, it's just very remote. Um, this is. Uh, uh, it, it, it was a big deal. Um, and uh, his gift card, there was also a report I read that he had $14 on a gift card he was going to use to buy cigarettes. The card was never used. So we'll we'll see what happens on that. But it was a just a very sad case. And it's a story of persistence, too. The guy, uh, Mr. Hinkle, had been at this search for quite a while. Uh, but as uh, the case neared its 10th anniversary, uh, he just went back at it. He says, you get up the next day, you schedule another time to go out and look. You never give up. Sounds like Churchill. Never, never, never give up. <laughs> and you never lose. So it's a story of persistence and uh, resilience. And I, like I say, I'm, it's, it's, it's really sort of a feel-good story with a bit of a macabre twist. I'd say so. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll we'll stay Thank in you. touch and see if anything comes. Maybe you'll have to defend if there is a criminal involved. We'll def- maybe you can defend that person. I don't know how you will, but you know we'll keep tabs on. It. <laughs> I don't know how they can afford me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> me down. Yeah. Well, and and when you send Hannah the bill for this interview, I don't know. That may break the bank. We may have to close the show. But anyway, no, no. You guys are pro bono. You guys oh, are pro bono. Lovely. Hey, thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Hey, we really appreciate it, Ken Belkin. Talk to you again. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. There have a good he is. <laughs> And here's a picture of the car. Irwin's car was pulled out of a small pond near Mm -hmm. Camdenton. And it's all moss, uh, algae covered, and man, what a sad story. You know, I think it's important to point out that the the guy Hinkle, he wasn't just your average guy who went down to the big box store and bought a drone. I mean, he even went back out on the pond in in a kayak that he had sonar equipment on that could go out there, and that's how they confirmed the the car in the center of that little bitty pond down. There. Yeah, so, that's then he did a lot of pretty experience, high tech. high tech, and it's expensive equipment to to say the least, but. Uh, uh, hopefully they'll get some closures and and you know Randy we that's the speculation right now that maybe he committed suicide but we'll we're going to defer to the authorities on that they'll have to to investigate that it's it's been so many years ago but we do i mean it's worth mentioning 
People don't think about it much, but we have some cases in mid-Missouri, John and I have covered many over the years, that have never been solved. People who have been missing, um, and it is, it's you know, for those families, they don't get a lot of closure. I can remember the Sherry Montague case here in Columbia uh, that John and I reported on, and she ended up being found murdered uh, over in, in Osage County, east, east of Jefferson City. There's another case that... Um, that our listeners in Moberly might remember. It was in 1994. It was a woman named Hazel Hess, and she disappeared. They found blood in her apartment, was never found, still never found, even though they drained a couple of lakes. And they had a couple leads several years ago, never have found her either. Those are just two that immediately come to mind. There's more than that. But, uh, and the guy, I'm trying to think of his name. His name was Bell, um, Mr. Bell, up up north of Columbia between, uh, not not related to no you, but relation. no relation. But it was a, just a, ter- a terrible, speculation was he may have even been murdered, but they've never found his body. Just some terrible, terrible cases. Yeah, Lately, I've been hearing like from people that I know that are like, well, didn't you see so-and-so post this on Facebook? And I'm like, no. I I have no idea what you're talking about, and I don't care. Um, And, you know, uh, we have so many uh, people, I think, locally who spend, and uh, and nationally, who spend a lot of their time on social media, and they're criticized, and I'm criticizing them here, but this guy, you know, takes social media and does something positive. So when we think about hobbies, you know, if you're a person who has a lot of extra time such that you spend a lot of your time commenting on Facebook, maybe, you know, this would be a, this, if we got more people with this guy's kind of dedication to solving local crimes, I mean, that is, that I would consider a good positive outcome of time spent with social media and with technology. And as, uh, as John was saying, I mean, this guy, he, he outfitted his kayak with sonar gear He's also a rescue scuba diver. Mm-hmm. I mean, this nope. guy is serious. I mean, he's no Al Franken on Saturday Night Live with the antenna hat. You know, this guy's the real it, deal. What's that? What was that show uh, with the spies like living among us? Uh, the Americans or what was that show? And they were like they were like living a regular. What was that? Oh yeah, the oh yeah, with the the, the Russian agents who yeah. were the deep plants. And, yeah. and oh. so, how do we know that this guy isn't like he's like I'm just a YouTuber, and you're like really? Yeah. Seem to have some sophisticated equipment. Well, he well what about some... the Greg Jones case in Cole County, yes. Brian? You know yes. that goes back to the early 1990s. It yes. was just a few years ago that uh, Chris Nemet was was charged with that crime, and that one's sort of still up in the air. But that was a very high profile case where a uh, a 14-year-old disappeared out at Russellville, yeah. and now they're talking about this guy potentially being charged with being mm. his classmate and was the mm. one who killed him. And, and owned the Golden Corral. Um, yeah. I mean, a, a huge case. Uh, he posted a one, that suspect, by the way, posted a $1 million bond, actually wrote a $1 million check, um, posted bond. I mean, if you've got that kind of money in the, in the you, you can post it. But um, as I recall, I'm going from memory on that. But the, the thing that... Um, uh, John, the other case I remember, there was a guy down on, and you know, and the, the brother of the high-profile woman in Jeff City. She runs a special learning center, and he's been. He, I don't think they've ever found him. He was last seen at the country kitchen in Jefferson City. Probably, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. And, and they, he was seen saying he was going to go meet someone at the Lake of the Ozarks, and never found him. And they reopened the case about a year ago, and they've never found him, to the best of my knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Debbie Hamler's brother. Well, it's it's a heartwarming story. Again, with you know, certainly the genesis was not pleasant, but 
um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Irwin's sister said it was the best. They got notice of this find on Christmas Eve, mm. just this last Christmas Eve. And she said it was the best Christmas ever, just knowing that I can finally lay my brother to rest. So Mr. Irwin was a Navy veteran, and uh, Mr. Hinkle brought him home. That's Echo, that's Echo. great. And his channel's Echo Divers. Uh, yeah. Echo Divers. But no, and that case fantastic. Brian was talking about was Doug Brooks of Jefferson Doug, Doug Brooks. in the yeah, 90s. Yeah. That, was, that was just terrible. How, many, never, never how many open cases are there in Columbia and Jefferson City area, roughly? Are we talking <sighs> a dozen, five, handful? You know, right off the top of my head, uh, Bell would be one. I mean, I don't have a... I'm just trying to think of any other... That have that are missing that haven't been found. I mean, Heitholt's still technically an open case, but obviously that yeah. that's that's a little different. But Bell would be one um, in Jefferson City. Brooks would be one in. Um, so that's missing. But if you take on, are we the, talking the about unsolved oh, murders? I've unsolved been, I've been quite a, a couple few. dozen. Yeah, oh, yeah. Do- that I mean, many. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, in in uh, well, I mean, there there have been. You know, other people too yeah, and I obviously know, james hundle was murdered here in columbia those, was those a, detectives are working tirelessly to try to solve those so again uh, what is that number in case people do have some kind of what is the what is the tips number just five seven three eight seven five tips yep. it's the columbia number five seven three eight seven five tips right. your your identity will be protected but james hundle who was a high-ranking executive at mizzou they've still never oh, never found Crazy. his killer All right. Well, uh, boy, great news uh, and a great job by Mr. Hinkle. Coming up, what's hot with Hannah? We'll see what's up her sleeve literally in just a minute. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. The news can be heavy. So can a boulder. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Well, what's hot? I'll say what's hot. We're on time. It's 725. What's hot, Hannah? Well, I'm putting this date on the calendar. <laughs> this is the first of many. Many, many never thought you could do it. What's I won't your... name names. Oh, no. Many, many thought it was impossible. Uh, it's very possible. <laughs> what's up your sleeve today? Well, literally <laughs> up my sleeve today. Uh, I've posted a little photo yeah. on the Wake Up Men Missouri Facebook page. But I, I did something kind of exciting last night. I got my first tattoo. What? Wow. I know, this right? This is monumental. This is an epic moment on Wake <laughs> Up Mid-Missouri. You know, old lady Hannah, who never takes any risks or anything like that, I, I got a tattoo. And Stephanie was telling me yesterday that she was shocked that I was doing this. I'm completely shocked. I'm more shocked that yesterday you had, you were like, uh, you were still asking me what you should get. And I'm like, you're, you have an appointment today to go and you, you're going to permanently put something on your body and you haven't decided yet. And it's like hours away. It wasn't so much what I wanted to get. It was where I wanted to put it. I don't know. You were showing me various drawings. <laughs> I was nervous for you. It's beautiful. Though. I, I presented the tattoo artist with several options and he, he kind of helped me narrow down what was going to be the best option. Um, but I've posted a photo on the Wake Up Mid Missouri Facebook page. And I knew way before, you know, the husband and I got married that I would be tattooing my maiden name somewhere on my body, right? Just because that was my last name for 23 years. And as excited as I was, 
to become an Embry officially and legally. It was about two weeks before the wedding. It hit me. I was running a, pe- a press conference here at the radio station, you know, late at night by uh-huh. myself, and my brain just went, "Wait a second, we're going to be leaving behind the last, like the only last name we've ever had." And it made me a little, a little sad. I had a, I shed a couple tears over that, just because it's, it's a big thing to like change your last name yeah. and leave it behind. Um, so I knew I wanted to get the tattoo. Um, my little brother, who's not so little. Uh, he ended up do, like doing a tattoo with me, and we got Adkison, my maiden name, tattooed in my dad's handwriting. And then I grew up hearing "I love you" to the moon and back, mm-hmm. and so I added a crescent moon, which also represents new beginnings. Apparently, some you know yeah. website told me like, so, so it's probably true. New right? moon or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then some stars, which my mom actually drew one of the stars. So. I'm, That's really neat. Yeah. It looks kind of gross right now because it's got the, the Santa Derm stuff on the top of it. How was the experience overall as, in terms of discomfort? Was it better, worse, more than, about what you expected? Uh, I So it's on my forearm, and I thought that that was like a cushiony enough place that it wasn't going to hurt. Uh, it it was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't terrible. I didn't cry or anything like that. But Now, when you flex your wrist... Does that does that make the stars twinkle? <laughs> <laughs> but I've also asked on the Wake Up Men Missouri Facebook page, you know, do you have any tattoos that you might regret? I know when I was in college, I lived in an apartment for two years with uh, three other girls. And one night when I came home, one of the girls met me in the parking lot and she had just left the tattoo shop and she had an astronaut on her rear end Ooh. Um, because the astronaut <laughs> was landing on the moon. Oh, boy. So, oh, my. Well, there you go. Well, I think Goodness. we better put a helmet on that discussion right now. <laughs> Caleb Rowden coming up right after the break. We're going to check in with what he expects out of the legislative session and maybe a little bit about his candidacy, too. Stay tuned. Telling you what you want to hear since 2015. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Seven thirty-six on a uh, a clearing Wednesday morning. Good to see that the weather's going to turn a little south uh, tomorrow, so we'll be following that uh, as uh, the day and tomorrow progresses. And uh, we move our thoughts towards state politics and an already rousing start to the Senate as uh, Senator Caleb Rowden, who's of course the President Pro Tem of the Missouri Senate, joins us now. How you doing, Senator Rowden? Welcome to the program. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Do you have your your full armor on as you uh, as you walk into the Capitol building every day? <laughs> <laughs> I got a heavy coat on. I know that. For sure. <laughs> Things got off to quite an interesting start. Uh, and, and our show was actually mentioned. Uh, the, I guess the first day of the Senate. Been, oh yeah. When things were cut short, uh, Senator Bernstein threw threw a little barb, <laughs> and then uh, Senator Eigel gave it back to him, and then some. And I mean, boy, it's we're off to a wild. And Willie Stark, your thoughts? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we kind of expected this. We, uh, I, I kind of assumed the, the arc of the session would be a lot of um, a lot of talking, bloviating, you might call it, uh, at the beginning, and then you know a little bit of just kind of normal get to the the, the the work of the Senate type stuff. We're gonna we referred a bunch of bills. 
um, uh, two weeks ago and last week. Uh, you know, a lot of committee hearings happening now, so we've kind of moved off of the the, the ebb of of um, kind of grandstanding, and now we're going to do some business. And then, you know, I think you'll hit another uh, ebb or flow, however it, however you see it. Um, uh, you know, sometime here coming up when we start talking about stuff on the floor. Uh, so, you know, I don't think it's. Uh, I think we all saw it coming. I don't think it was a surprise to, to many people who were paying attention. Senator, you were on the air just the other day on This Week in Missouri Politics with Scott Fawn and a whole bunch of folks. You didn't pull any punches when I think they asked you what you thought was going to happen at the Capitol this year. You weren't too darn optimistic. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think I'm funny. Funny thing is, I'm probably more optimistic than most. Uh, I'm, I'm a generally kind of glass half full kind of guy, but. Um, you know, it's going to take more work uh, and a little more, uh, you know, kind of suppression of of political urges. I, I think maybe is the best way to put it. Put it. Uh, we, uh, you know, everybody knows a bunch of people are running for office. It's an election year. You know, um, some folks uh, the, the the platform that they have in the building because of a lack of monetary resources in a campaign is going to be you know, kind of their main way to get their, their message out. So we all know that's real and, and, you know, kind of a part of the equation. I, I, I don't think that means we can't accomplish things. Uh, you know, I, I've said all along with the the majority of the Republican caucus and then the, the small minority of the uh, now now Freedom Caucus, you know, we agree on a lot of stuff. Um, we, we, we disagree on more the, the method of how to get to the end result or you know maybe sometimes we disagree on what we think is possible what's the win that we can take now to move you know the needle a little bit further those are the things we disagree on we generally don't disagree on policy so you know if we get if we get past the if we get past the arguing for its own sake uh, then then i do think we have a chance otherwise i think it, yeah you, you're right uh, john it could be a tough session Senator Caleb Rowden joins us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri this morning. Dr. Tober, thank you, Senator. We appreciate your time. I know you've got uh, a lot of issues that are on the table in the Missouri State Senate. One of your bills that was just filed not too long ago uh, was in response to Secretary Ashcroft being swatted. Um, and that investigation, by the way, is continuing by the Jefferson City uh, Police Department. Under current law, the offense of making a terrorist threat in the second degree is a Class E felony. Your bill adds private residence to places a person can call in a terrorist threat. And, uh, and then the offense would be a Class D uh, felony, if you will. Are you optimistic on that? In, in, and I'd like to get your thoughts, too, on, on the fact that our Secretary of State was swatted at his home. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I mean, I think I'm optimistic, you know, as much as you can be. It's, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't assume that anybody, uh, just generally disagrees with the idea. Now we've seen it happen both in the political context, the Republicans and Democrats. We've seen it happen outside of the political context with, just you know, sometimes uh, malicious uh, intent and sometimes non-malicious intent, but also can end up being, you know, incredibly problematic for the person that it's happening to or the family that it's happening to. So, I, I think it starts. I kind of you know, generally kind of segment bills uh, and their chances into you know, does it have a bunch of opposition? Does it have some opposition? Does it not have any? I don't think this one has any. It's just a matter of finding the path, uh, you know, to, to, to get it done. And, and probably generally speaking in, in, inside of a larger, you know, kind of public safety package, 
uh, the, you know, the question about Secretary Ashcroft, it's, it's, you know, something that's happened. I think it's happening more frequently, maybe not so in Missouri politically, but it's happening uh, other places. Uh, you know, we've seen a number of reports with uh, members of Congress, uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats. I think it's a it's a new new tactic that's designed to, uh, you know, to, to um, kind of gin up uh, or maybe bring fear in, in certain situations. It's 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 bad. I mean, it's really bad. We had I had an issue. It wasn't a swatting issue, but we had people, you know, that have come to our house numerous times, um, uh, you know, for with political motivations. And, and you know, it's never fun. It's never uh, it's it's never uh, easy to deal with, especially for, you know, folks like myself and the secretary that have have kids. So, you know, we got to find a way to nip in the bud. we got to find a way to tell folks, hey, there's different ways to, um, you know, express your political angst that, that doesn't uh, involve, uh, one, in, in involving law enforcement, and two, potentially putting the, the lives of folks at risk. And if I could just follow up on that real quick, you're saying that you, they spill you're optimistic because there's no opposition. Probably, if, if it passes, I'm assuming for your comments, it would be a, a larger part of a larger bill, not a standalone bill. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, probably. I mean, just the nature of the building. We had a big public safety bill that got got um, uh, vetoed last year because of one small thing. Um, uh, and so, you know, Senator Luke DeMeyer, who's a, the chair of judiciary on our side, um, Representative Lane Roberts actually has filed, and we talked last week, uh, filed has filed anti-swatting uh, legislation for a number of years and had a hard time getting out of the House. So we're going to try to put a little more, you know, muscle behind that. I think, again, it's not it's not a matter of... of um, people disagreeing with the concept it's just you know getting enough people excited about it to to um, put it uh, higher up in the priority list and get it across the finish line now the real meat of the work of the senate right now is happening in the hearing rooms and in committee yeah. work um and yesterday we caught a preview on our show over uh the casey landfill issue um and there was a big hearing yesterday so wanting to get your reactions from in, in, any colleagues or your reaction to that hearing yesterday and then i know i believe parents bill of rights is coming up in an education committee today you know again where are you at on that educational uh educational freedom and then are these issues that you see getting to the floor and getting across the finish line yeah landfill is an interesting issue um you know kind of popped up uh, unexpectedly last year for anybody that doesn't know it, it's you know landfill is being built you know near residential development um or is proposed to be built obviously the folks in that residential development are, are a little fired up i i i don't know the the uh, outlook for that it'll get to the floor uh, i i can probably say that with certainty uh, you know the outlook for it when it gets to the floor it's a tough issue you know the the, the folks the developers and the folks that um are on the, the the side of wanting to get that thing done um would say it's already started it's a it, you know it really is not the the role of of government to step in you know uh, halfway through or whatever the percentage is through the process and and change the rules mid, midway through the game so you, you, it's a it's an interesting issue because it has republicans and democrats who support it and i think probably republicans and democrats who oppose it so we'll see uh, you know education is is my um kind of signature issue the thing i i i personally which i don't get to be passionate about much but i am passionate about that we we'll we'll vote out uh, and we'll we'll bring in into the floor this week um, a bill that would expand ESA statewide, uh, potentially a, a universe, uni, more universal school choice bill. Um, both of those things got voted out uh, are getting voted out this week. Uh, the parents' bill, bill of rights is something that we passed last year uh, out of the Senate. Got a little bit of 
uh, there was some devil in the details issues with our uh, with what the house thought was appropriate. So I think all of those things kind of fall into a, a, a similar category of just finding more ways for to empower parents to have more choices and to have more information uh, relative to their kids' education. I think all that's good. I think anybody who doesn't think that's good is probably fighting a, a losing battle in today's day and age. But hopefully we can get you know something done uh, relative to educational freedom. That's Senator Caleb Browden, President Pro Tem of the Missouri Senate. I, I have to ask you about uh, next week's State of the State speech from the governor. What What are you hoping to hear? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're going to hear a lot of what you've always heard from Governor Parson, which is, and I think, you know, the, the, the workforce development infrastructure has been the, the um, you know, have, has been the resounding message since he uh, came into office, what, you know, almost six years ago now. Um, I think he'll he'll tie up some loose ends. I think he, you know, I think he wants to finish strong, as do I. Uh, with some things that we've uh, that we've focused on, so I think you'll you'll hear some similar themes. You know, I think I'd like to hear um, a, a plan and, and an opportunity to make sure that we're we're uh, you know not not growing the state budget tremendously this year. I think we have we I think it's a fine budget year. I think there's more money coming in, which is uh, never a bad thing. But I think we are going to have some lean years coming uh, in the next couple of years, and so I do I do think you know planning for that as as this executive goes out and another executive comes in, you know, could be coming in and a new Senate and new Senate leadership and, you know, all of that uh, that, that layover that happens in the Senate and in the legislature because of term limits, you know, we, we I think setting ourselves up well for the next um, the next three or four years, I think, is really, really important because I do think we have some uh, really good opportunities if we do things well, but I think we can also shoot ourselves in the foot if we're not thinking long term. So this governor, I think, has done a generally a good job of that, making sure that one-time money is getting used for one-time things, and and you know really focusing on things that he thinks is important. So I think you'll hear uh, similar themes, which I think is is fine, and and certainly you know kind of fits the theme and the mo for for Governor Parson. Uh, so switching over to the Secretary of State's race, uh, yesterday was a big fundraising deadline, um, and it seems as though your candidate committee uh, and Hoskins' candidate committee are kind of neck and neck, although your PAC um, has more money than his. Um, there, uh, Obviously, we've got Shane Scholler in that race and Adam Schwadron. Um, they're, you know, they don't have nearly as much money, and, and, and you know, in these types of races, especially statewide, we've heard from other guests that fundraising is important. I think one analysis I saw this morning kind of took a shot at you saying, you know, that I I think the expectation was that maybe you would have outraised some of these other folks by now. Um, so what's your response to that? And then, you know, is this race shaping up to be a two-way race between you and Senator Hoskins? Yeah, well, we raised, I mean, this quarter I got in, I, I, I officially got in um, uh, in the middle of October, which really, I mean, left me with about 45 days to fundraise because of Christmas we outraised. Um, everybody else in this, this quarter, three to one, I think, uh, if, if my, my math is close to right. So, um, you know, we have, we will have, we'll have pack money. I think more of that will be coming. Um, and, and you'll see that as a session winds down, you know, uh, I think we have uh, other vehicles and mechanisms that we're going to raise money to and spend money out of. So, you know, it, it's, uh, I think we'll have, 
Plenty of money. That, that's never been a concern of mine. I, I don't know that it's a two-way race. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Shane Scholler is a formidable guy, and a, a nice guy, you know, a, someone who's done uh, done well uh, down in Greene County. So I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about Shane. He's going to have to figure out a way to raise some money. Um, uh, and if he doesn't, you know, probably won't be able to be viable. But, uh, you know, it's it's still early. Filing hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, things could <laughs> – Things could shift even that between now and, and the end of February when all, all this starts out. So we're just going to keep we're going to keep our head down and, and keep doing what we think is right and, and raise some money in the process. Well, Senator Caleb Brown, it, it promises to be a real turbulent session, and we hope that you will have uh, you will have as usual your hands steadily at the helm, trying to guide the ship of the Senate and uh, the general session at large. We look forward to talking with you as things progress. Thanks for being with us Thanks. this morning. Thanks, guys. All right. There he is, Senator Caleb Browden. It was an interesting interview. I want to mention one other thing that's interesting about Senator Rowden. He chairs gubernatorial appointments. At 1030 this morning, Robert Nodell and Paula Nicholson will go before his committee. Now, that may surprise most of our audience. Why would they have to go before the Senate for, to be, for, to be for confirmed? What? For what position? Well, Robert Nodell's the director of social services, and Paula's the director of health. But technically... They've been the in in the interim, right? They've been interim, I, in, right? interim. Well, Paulo for more than that, but uh, but they will go for yeah. Senate confirmation today. So that is that's I think that's a big deal to to, to slip into the chair permanently to, for to the, be well for the rest of this year to be validated. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Well, so they'll be we'll be keeping our eyes on that. Uh, John, and Brian, and Stephanie, and producer Hannah and me, we uh, we'll keep it uh, keep it there. When we come back, John, you got something up your sleeve like a tattoo or what? Something stinks in space. Oh boy. I don't know. I don't think we're going to want to reuse those outfits. We'll see what John has when we come back. Stay there. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Watch the gang on our Facebook or YouTube channel. Find us at Wake Up Mid-Missouri. And that would be all. Except for this. This just into us. Space smells bad. Found this on the website space.com. Astronauts report that space leaves a funky smell on their space suits. <laughs> Astronauts who have returned from spacewalks say their suits have strong smells like burnt steak hmm. or even gunpowder and ozone. Talked to an astronaut who uh, was on the International Space Station. She said it smelled like... You might imagine toilet smells, mm. dirty clothes, mm. burnt toast, and raspberries. Ugh. Delicious. Ugh. And they say the chemical makeup detected on Uranus <laughs> shows that it most likely smells like farts or rotten eggs. And they also believe it might smell like urine because Uranus and Neptune have ammonia ice in the clouds. So that would go along with the stinky rotting egg smell so uh, <laughs> one more reason to go into space and now you know the rest of that story you know i would just like to point out that randy started laughing about the uranus joke before i did okay i get a bad rap on the show for having there's my head in the there's gutter. an old star wars joke there this star is, trek joke right yeah this is like organic chemistry 101 with john yeah, marsh much. this is great pretty much yeah i i, I understand the uh, the ozone don't mix, and don't mix the acids in the bases no do not mix your acids in your bases you could end up uh, you could end up with an explosion
explosion. So uh, it's interesting. You talked about the ozone smell, which it sounds like there's some people are discerning some, you know, basically technical, electrical yeah. kind of stuff. And on the other hand, it's just it's just good old. I haven't I'm wearing the same old underwear for the last two weeks kind of a smell. You know? That's pretty uh, much what they do because uh, they don't have any laundry facilities on the ISS. It's yeah. sort of like you just put it in a Ziploc and put it in the corner and hope <laughs> oh. it doesn't stink. Huh? You'd think they'd maybe debacterialize it. Well, that still wouldn't change the organic chemistry of it. But you could you could run it through like a UV treatment, you know, and at least and at least sanitize it that way. I wonder if they do any of that. I don't know. Well, I think they just take a change of clothes and call it even. Wow. I was going to say, does sanitizing something remove the smell? No, but I mean, at least from an infectious standpoint, you know, yeah. and and the bacteria interacting with skin things are probably that has a lot to do with what generates the smell. It's bacterial gas that you know causes a lot of that. All right, well, we're gonna we're gonna step aside. When we come back, we're gonna talk to Josh Devine, Solicitor General at the AG office. Several active suits going on, and ask him about the Scotus Chevron defense. Stay tuned. At the door they had found, they had 